Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Thanks for joining me again on Your Health Guide. I'm Lawrence Katsaris, and in this episode, we're going to separate the hype from the evidence around this wonderful spice and herb known as turmeric. Gaining a lot in popularity, and a lot of us will be familiar and reading on the internet about its uses for all sorts of far-ranging health conditions. In this episode, we're going to talk about what the science actually says about where turmeric can actually be used, how it is that it actually works specifically within your body, and then what to be looking for when you're buying and using turmeric supplements. I'm joined in this episode again by naturopath Nick Breen. Thanks for joining me again, Nick. Thanks for having me back. Now, probably a good place for us to gain some clarity for the listeners is when people are thinking of turmeric, they often hear about curcumin as well. And there's a bit of confusion I find around what's the difference between turmeric and curcumin, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So just to clarify, I mean, turmeric's the name for the whole plant. The herb is called turmeric. Curcumin is one of the active constituents within the herb. Uh, it's probably the well, most well-known of the active constituents and certainly the one that's had the most research done on it. It's part of this group called the curcuminoids, um, but it is only sort of one of the active ingredients in turmeric. You've also got many other things like your volatile oils and, and other bits and pieces. And for those that have, you know, if you've ever used cooking with your turmeric, it's like got that bright yellow that loves to stain your kitchen bench and plates and clothes when you spill it everywhere and that's the curcumin yeah and so like you're saying is that that belongs to this sort of if we think about it as a family of all these different agents within the turmeric the curcuminoids are the main area where that was researched and so like i think in 1815 they found curcumin they found that curcumin in the blood Yep. And they found that that produced those beneficial effects when people were taking the herb turmeric. But like you're saying, there's so many other factors to turmeric that curcumin's not the only thing that's actually proving to be effective. It's just kind of the main agent that science has really started to investigate. That's and right. That's right. But I mean, it's important with all herbal medicines. Nature's pretty clever. And it tends to put things in, you know, in a synergistic package for us. Um, when we start isolating single constituents like curcumin, yeah, we will get some benefits, but we might be missing out on that sort of multifaceted benefit of taking the, the whole herb with all its active constituents. And I always talk about that in terms of, you know, in herbal medicine, what we're looking at is, as you're saying, Mother Nature's smart and there's some ingredients within herbs. And what we'll often find is that one constituent or, you know, an ingredient within a herb actually helps with the action of some of the other ingredients or actually helps to balance that out so it doesn't actually become toxic in the body or actually helps with its absorption from the digestive system. And when you start to isolate those uh, individual constituents out of a herb, it's essentially what we do when we go down the route of pharmacology. That's it. Yeah, you're creating a drug. Yeah. Yeah, and that's obviously been proven to be useful and there's benefits to that, but you're taking away from the complexity of that is the the whole herb extract. And as we can start to see now, like when we look at history and we go, okay, curcumin has been researched and we see benefits for that, um, that 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 actual constituent from turmeric has a therapeutic benefit. But we're now starting to see research on the other elements of the other constituents within turmeric, and they're proving to be beneficial. Like you mentioned, the volatile oils, for instance, and mm. we're seeing some of the same anti-inflammatory, antioxidant benefits from the volatile oils in turmeric, which is the same actions that you're getting from 
the curcumin mm. in turmeric. So really I think the first thing for a lot of people to understand is that we need to be careful about just trying to look for pure curcumin. Mm. Um, that I think is important when we start looking in the marketplace, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's been definitely a bit of a bioavailability arms race. Um, you know, all the manufacturers want to outcompete each other to get high blood levels of this this one, um, you know, curcumin. So uh, that's a bit of a marketing claim that you see a lot. And bioavailability is certainly important when we're talking about turmeric because it is sort of notoriously hard to absorb. But I think if we're really focused just on that bioavailability in the blood, we're we're missing the big picture. With anything, we want to be looking at, you know, how does this work in, in people? You know, we want to look at it from a clinical point of view and, you know, see how these conditions play out, um, you know, when, when they're given turmeric. Definitely. And I want to come and talk to that in a second about what the evidence has been showing on particular extracts and how that works. And I think what you're talking about there of the, uh, the bioavailability, I think the arms race is a great way of describing that. Where for those of us who have seen... When you're in you know, a health food store or a pharmacy or you're looking online and you'll see different types of turmeric extracts or it'll even sometimes just be called curcumin mm. and then they'll be spruiking that this is 1,000 times more bioavailable, this is 500 times more bioavailable or they might package it up in particular delivery methods like they might put it in a, a lipid fat base or they might put it with you know tiny little particle sizes so you can absorb that better from the digestive system and anyone who started looking for buying turmeric or curcumin will have been familiar with seeing the kind of marketing that goes around on that bioavailability. What you're touching on there I think is so critically important is that people, we, we need to appreciate that we're not just trying to get the curcumin in the blood. Mm. Now that might be surprising for a lot of people because it's like, you know, I, I even just said before, they found in studies that curcumin in the blood was associated with a therapeutic effect. But what we're starting to see now in some of the most recent research is it may not actually be relative to the amount of curcumin or the amount of other ingredients in the blood that produces the therapeutic benefit of mm -hmm. turmeric, but they're actually starting to think now that you get the general, say, in terms of anti-inflammatory effects for sure, maybe those actions are derived from turmeric interacting with our digestive system. Isn't Absolutely, it? yeah. So it seems like a lot of the benefits, um, the systemic anti-inflammatory benefits are actually mediated through the gut. So we know turmeric interacts directly with our immune system, you know, through the gut, but also it's got an effect on the microbiome. So it seems to improve diversity of the microbiome. And obviously by doing that, we help to to reduce that systemic inflammation. Which can be a little bit mind-bending for some people as you mm. start to, if, if you're not that aware of exactly how integrated our physiology is and just how functional our, you know, one impact in one area of the body can be on influencing somewhere else, you know, relatively seemingly unrelated in the other area of the body, that can seem like a bit of a stretch, I think. Well, we've all heard of this, this gut-brain connection, for example. Yeah, becoming very popular. Mm. And uh, turmeric's, you know, one of these natural therapies that we've seen been really effective in, in mental health applications. Definitely, because it's, and again, it's not that it, the, the turmeric or the curcumin gets in directly to the brain, but it's because it regulates what's happening from the communication from the gut via the vagus nerve to the brain, and then also changing general systemic parameters like um, our immune parameters through our body, which then changes parameters within our brain, changing our cognition and our mental health. Correct. And the same thing kind of goes for inflammation. It'll interact within the digestive system. And so for those people that aren't that familiar with exactly how you know, those links work is that within our digestive tract, we've got our microbiome and our, our bacteria, our microbes living within our digestive system. 
they will communicate with our immune system that are housed in and around that digestive tract. And then depending upon the types of microbes, the actions they're doing that are there, other factors that are taking place within that digestive tract, that will communicate with the immune cells that are found in that digestive system. Those immune cells then basically send signaling molecules to the rest of the immune system. And you can kind of think about it that they communicate with the upper managers of the immune system. Yeah. And they'll stimulate certain cells, which will then have, uh, you know, anti-inflammatory effects, or may have immunoregulating effects, and then that'll start to have a general systemic effect through the rest of the body. And even by improving the diversity of the microbiome, which we know that um, turmeric can do, that's going to help with nutrient harvest. So, you know, certain B vitamins, for example, need to be harvested from the microbiome. So, we improve that diversity. We can improve our mental health by getting cofactors for our neurotransmitter production from that, that microbiome. Yeah, and I think that you know, as the microbiome gains in popularity and science and people are starting to understand how you can influence the microbiome, certainly through diet, and the far-reaching effects that microbiome has on people's health, I know people are surprised to learn about how simple little interventions, you know, like the use of a spice or the mm. use of a herb, in this instance, can actually change that microbiome diversity by boosting that diversity can actually change people's immune health, their gut health, as you talked about also, their brain health as well. And I spoke about this at a conference, I think, last year, and even practitioners were sort of surprised to learn about the far-reaching effects that something like turmeric can have through the microbiome and boosting that diversity. So those of us that have maybe listened to previous episodes and we've talked about the importance of gut health and immune modulation as I spoke about with Joanne McNeil and we talked about regulating gut health and allergies. Uh, If that's something that's interesting, I highly recommend you go back and have a listen to those episodes. But if you've listened to those already, what you can do is you can build upon that and understand that as we improve the health of the gut and support the diversity, as you're saying, Nick, in those microbes and function of those microbes in our digestive tract, we improve our immune health. And we're doing that actually, like turmeric has has demonstrated to be able to do that. So eating a good diet in plant-based food, throwing in instances like this of turmeric, exercise, you know, just simple walking, um, stress reduction, all of that will help your microbiome. That will also have an effect on your immune health. Now, probably, I guess the reason why we're talking a lot about immunity in this aspect is because one of the main areas where people love to use turmeric is as an anti-inflammatory, right? Mm-hmm. So most people will stumble across the use for turmeric because they've got, you know, pain. So whether mm-hmm. that be headaches, premenstrual pain, um, arthritic pain, um, you know, cramping, like painful back muscles, Turmeric gets used as a as a natural analgesic anti-inflammatory kind mm, of thing, mm. um, and so one of the ways that I guess it's doing that is by interacting with the digestive system uh, and interacting with the microbiome. That then changing signaling to our immune cells, and those immune cells are what actually can coordinate that inflammatory response or downregulate that inflammatory response. Yeah, so it's interacting with the immune system through the microbiome um, and systemically at the gut level. It's also having a direct impact on your inflammation. So, I mean, if you think about a drug that you normally take when you're inflamed, um, something like uh, ibuprofen, that's working right down the bottom of your inflammatory cascade and it's got a really powerful acute effect to shut off one pathway to stop the inflammation. We look at turmeric, it's kind of doing the same thing, but it's doing it sort of right at the start of the inflammatory cascade. It's actually regulating your gene transcription, and as a result, it starts to downregulate all those inflammatory pathways. So although it's not blocking something off completely, 
like the ibuprofen was. It's working across a number of pathways to downregulate that inflammation. Which is why it ends up being safe for long-term use as an anti-inflammatory. And that's the whole reason why things like ibuprofen are risky long-term to be using because those inflammatory molecules that we switch off the, you know, they're called downstream molecules. And so those molecules can produce inflammation, but we also need some of those molecules to maintain healthy gut function, for instance, or maintain healthy function in the kidneys. And so what happens when we take something like ibuprofen is we switch off those molecules and stop them from being produced. That's great because you don't get the inflammatory problem from that but in the long term you start to develop you know long-term health issues like we start to see within the gut and within the kidneys so that's why for those that aren't aware that's why those anti-inflammatory pain medications are consequential long term mm. where when we start to work higher up that cascade we then start to regulate that we stop anything that will produce inflammation trickling down that cascade and, and setting a fire to anything mm. there we stop them being switched on, don't we? Like that's what yeah. you're talking about. That and that's another nutrition. really good example of Mother Nature being super clever. Mm. You know, by combining all these um, all these chemicals into the one plant, you can sort of affect that whole cascade without causing any of the detrimental side effects of, of your synthetic anti-inflammatories. Yeah, and that, I mean that kind of goes, and that's I guess linking that back to the difference between pharmaceuticals, pharmacology versus um, herbal medicine is that when we're working on those isolated pathways, we get a very strong action and we get a very acute action uh, immediately, but that comes at a cost because we switch off one thing, which is doing 10 things. Mm. And so by switching that off, you know, these prostaglandins they're called and they produce inflammation, we switch them off. That's great, we don't get pain anymore, but they're also important for doing a whole bunch of housekeeping and general functions within the, di within the digestive system and within our general health. And this is starting to move towards this, even from like a pharmaceutical model, it's called network pharmacology, where they start to understand that instead of completely turning off one process, if we turn down the volume on a couple of different processes, then we get an end result which is you know, clinically beneficial, someone gets, say, a reduction in pain in this instance, but they don't get the problems and the side effects of that. Because anyone who's, you know, been taking medications for a long period of time know that you'll get rid of one problem, but then what you can do is you can leave yourself susceptible to developing another issue because of that completely blunting one pathway and then producing problems in another. Mm. So turmeric, by working through the digestive tract, supporting immunity, supporting the health of the microbiome, then also, as you're saying, moderating these inflammatory mediators, which then trigger the whole inflammatory and painful process. It also works within the cells to change the, the genes that are written that would help produce you know, more of an inflammatory situation. Right? Mm. So there are some of the actions, I guess, about how turmeric works. Um, and I guess just stepping back and going, curcumin is not the only thing that's doing that, but mm. some of the other constituents within the turmeric will also do those actions. Mm -hmm. So we start to immediately go, okay, first and foremost, it's not about this bioavailability arms race, as you say, That's on curcumin, right? So what if I'm not looking for, I mean, what's your advice for people going, okay, when you're looking at a product and it says, well, I'm 15,000 more times bioavailable curcumin than another curcumin product, what is it people should be looking for about how they know if they're going to get those actual results or not? Well, I, I guess the first thing is that we do need to acknowledge that it is actually hard to absorb any of the therapeutic components from turmeric. So your turmeric lattes at Starbucks probably aren't going to cut it for you. You will, 
you know, most people in the Western world are going to need some sort of supplement if they want to derive the benefits. That's such a good point, thank you, because if we're thinking that we can do this through, you know, cooking uses or, you know, through foods and drinks of turmeric, it's not going to cut it, right? Like, I mean, it's great. Add it to your diet by all means. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've seen evidence of people in India who eat it every day have reductions in Alzheimer's and things, but for the average Westerner, it's going to be hard to get to a therapeutic dose through food. Yeah, and I remember seeing a professor talk about this, and he says, like, when we're using it traditionally in India, it's, like, through most meals. Mm. Like, it's included as a spice through most things. So if you're going to do that day in, day out through most meals, then, you know, you can start to have a general benefit towards your wellness. But when you come in and you've actually got an actual condition, like, I mean, a hell of a lot of pain, yep. then you need a high dose to, to deal with that. And with regards to that, that's why people say then they need to combine it with black pepper. Right. And that's where it can traditionally be used with that. Do you want to kind of clarify how that works? Yeah. So, I mean, what, what I'm looking for in a turmeric supplement is effectively I want something that's full spectrum. So I want all the all of nature's goodies in there. I want something that is bioavailable. Well, that's not the be all and end all. I'll get back to the black pepper thing in a sec. But I guess my main criteria is that I want something that's been um, used in clinical research. So mm. I know that it's, you know, if I'm treating someone for arthritis, I want to know that that supplement's beneficial for someone with arthritis. Yeah, and, and, has been and, and at that me. dose. Has been, at that yeah. dose, correct. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably my main criteria for it. As far as the black pepper goes, it does seem to help in absorption, but again, there's a trade-off. You know, you're intimately, in, um, intermittently inducing leaky gut, effectively. Um, and whether that's desirable for all your patients is another question. Mm. So what I would say is just... a good whole turmeric extract with a delivery system um, that allows it to be absorbed into the body. So normally that's going to be some sort of fat-based fat based delivery system. Um, but most importantly, a supplement that's been trialled um, at the dose in clinical research. Because at the end of the day, it proves in the pudding. That's it. You know, like if, it, you know, we can say, oh, look at the amount of curcumin that's in the blood here. It's like, okay, but does that actually produce a result? Because mm. if I've got, you know, if I'm in major joint arthritic pain, you telling me that there's a lot of curcumin in my blood, that may be interesting and nice to know, but I want to get rid of my pain. That's it. And so <laughs> me going, I don't have pain, irrespective of what my curcumin blood levels are, is really what's most important because I'm not taking a turmeric supplement to get curcumin in my blood. I'm taking a turmeric supplement to reduce my pain. That's right. Like in, in, in this instance. Yeah. So. And if we're just choosing something based on the bioavailability, then we're just extrapolating that having a higher blood level of curcumin will result in better pain relief without actually knowing that. Yeah, and no? the studies on that certainly haven't been able to demonstrate that. It's not, not at all. It's not like the higher curcumin blood levels you have, the certain, it definitely correlates with pain reduction. It's more across the board, like you're saying, what's that extract of that turmeric resulting in the pain reduction or whatever. Now, before we get too much further down the pain line, probably just to come back and clarify, obviously turmeric gets used as a strong, it's like a great anti-inflammatory and it's useful for pain. It's also used though in a lot of other studies, like I was speaking with uh, Dr. Adrian Lepresti recently uh, on one of the previous episodes and we were talking about the studies he's done there for depression and anxiety and using it for mental health and mood disorders. Mm. And so he's done those studies where he looks at using particular turmeric extracts for depression and he's found benefits there in eight weeks. He's used it in anxiety and found benefits there. He's also used it in teenagers and found benefits there for in terms of social phobias, aggressive behaviour, anxieties, etc. So um, it certainly has benefits for mood and mental health. Um, it's also been studied in Alzheimer's, hasn't it? Yeah, so that's, I mean, from what I understand, it, it increases BDNF. 
Mm. Um, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Yeah, yeah, miracle growth for the brain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, turmeric has been shown to increase that BDNF, that brain fertiliser. So that can be useful in Alzheimer's, obviously, but any sort of mental health condition can really help support the neuroplasticity aspect yeah. of it. So for those that um, are interested more in that, certainly go back and listen to the podcast with um, Dr. Lepresti and I. And Basically, we talk in there about how you enhance the resilience of your brain and you enhance the resilience of your nervous system. And under chronic stress, what can happen is you can actually cause actual neurodegeneration and you can change the wiring within the brain. And so this BDNF, or brain-derived neurotrophic factor, helps, like you're saying, it's like fertilizer. It helps you regenerate areas of the brain which can become damaged from chronic stress. And it's critically important for regulating mood and also enhancing cognition. And so when we become, you know, we move into our older years, if we start to have issues with, say, dementia, Alzheimer's disease, we start to see there's obviously major neurodegeneration and the brain starts to kind of shrivel up mm. and bdnf is one of the core attributes that actually comes through and helps to regenerate brain tissues mm. and so they've done studies with turmeric and found that it raises bdnf levels um, and that's been shown to be beneficial in alzheimer's disease and dementia um, of the same thing is not only does it raise bdnf levels it also helps to regulate some of our neurotransmitters like serotonin Correct. dopamine it's great antioxidant it's a great well. antioxidant um, and i guess those antioxidant actions and anti-inflammatory actions are also come in beneficial where some studies have demonstrated the use of turmeric in individuals alongside their chemotherapy or alongside their radiotherapy mm. for the treatment of their cancers and because of its benefits of helping with cellular health and mm. an anti-inflammatory and antioxidant so long as you know used in a safe like prescribed by professional situation in certain situations so not something i'd say by any means as something that anyone should do as a blanket statement if they're on chemo or radio no definitely not but in the studies what they did under a very controlled environment is they were able to show benefits um from the the turmeric there so i mean we're seeing more and more benefits from turmeric all the time like just recently i read a paper that um, so we've used turmeric in um, diabetes and metabolic syndrome, mm. and we weren't sort of sure why why that helps. We thought maybe because it's an antioxidant or it's helping the liver. Um, but what they found is it actually inhibit inhibits that eleven beta um, hydroxysterol dehydrogenase one. So it inhibits that, which helps improve insulin sensitivity. Do you want to just walk the listeners through what that super long? Enzyme sorry, does sorry, then? yeah. So basically, that's an enzyme that. Um, so this, you've got two of these enzymes. One converts cortisone to cortisol and one inactivates cortisol by turning it to cortisone. So it seems like turmeric inhibits the conversion of cortisone to cortisol. So by reducing those cortisol levels, it helps the body to utilise sugar a little bit better. Yeah, and then that also has an effect on by decreasing cortisol, which is your stress hormone, that then can help with people to regulate their stress response. Yes. So it circles back around. Yes. So metabolic health, diabetes, um, mental health, like depression, anxiety, um, uh, cognition, Alzheimer's disease, dementia, obviously pain, inflammation, potentially as a alongside and offsetting the side effects of chemotherapy and radiotherapy are some of the uh, clinical studies that have been done on turmeric. And I guess as an example for the listeners is you're getting about a thousand published papers a year mm. on turmeric. And uh, so far, because it's really been in the last sort of, in 
just under the last decade where it's really been booming and starting to gain popularity, both from a consumer perspective, which is why a lot of us are aware of it and you know, pretty much why we're talking about this today, mm-hmm. but also from a researcher perspective. Mm. And um, you've got around 7,500 papers published already talking about you know, the benefits on turmeric and then you know, thousands more of these are getting published every year. So certainly something that has got a lot of scientific backing behind it, demonstrating the use in some of these conditions. And like you're saying, we're seeing more and more applications for it, which I guess is where traditionally they used it in Indian culture. It was considered a bit of a sacred spice and used for everything from religious practices right through to health practices and kind of seen as a bit of a cure-all. Mm. And so while that's being adopted over here in the West and we're starting to see that it's beneficial for a lot of different conditions, I guess for those listening, be aware that the main evidence of where it's sitting is in those conditions now. You know, pain, yes. mood, cognition really yeah. is kind of the main areas where you'd start to sort of use it. So in terms and, of... And all those are linked to inflammation when you exactly, think about it. Yeah. So any chronic or acute inflammatory condition... Um, yeah, turmeric's the way to go. Definitely, and you know that's where even depression linked to inflammation within the brain, yep. causing that brain remodeling that then changes someone's ability to regulate their mood, and then they present with what we we know as depression. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of looking at that, I guess the logical place for us to go, um, Dr. Lepresti and I talked about this as well. Is you know, he, you know, he basically approached this from that research perspective you're going i see the benefits that come from turmeric as an anti-inflammatory as an antioxidant able to raise brain derived neurotrophic factor which got him thinking okay well there's got to be use for this in terms of mood disorders so then he started to look through the literature and go well what form of turmeric at what kind of levels do i want to be using this to get a result because i want to use uh, you know a form of turmeric at a dose that's been proven to work in other conditions and trial that out in using that for mental health. And he stumbled across this type of turmeric known as BCM95. Mm. And he, that's, that's the studies that Dr. Lepresti was talking about in the previous episodes of using this turmeric BCM95. And that is what he's used in his studies to demonstrate uh, improvements in depression and reduction in anxiety and you know mood and behavioural issues. Yeah, it seems like that extract in particular has been used in more clinical research than any other extract yeah it it seems to have really good outcomes for lots of different diseases like i've seen trials for that one on um, arthritis Um, you know we've seen it for that mental health stuff with dr lepresti um, but there's a number of conditions it's actually been used and for. And that's, that's exactly right. And that's why Dr. Lepresti uses that is because uh, he touches on this briefly in that episode, but it's like he looked and went, well, that's a form of turmeric that's been consistently shown to produce benefits in other studies, so let's see if it produces benefits in these mood studies. And, of course, it did. And it's a whole turmeric extract too. It's Thank not you. just a good So that, yeah, it's, it's containing what they do when they make that BCM95 turmeric is normally when you do this, you'd be looking at extracting out the curcumin levels and you'd look at, okay, What's the curcumin levels of that turmeric extract? And then how do we enhance its bioavailability? What they did when they looked at with the BCM95 is they said, well, traditionally when you're having the raw, like when you're having the root in there, um, it's got these volatile oils in there. And those volatile oils are thought to be able to enhance bioavailability. So when they make the BCM95, what they do is they make sure that they don't just extract it and have good levels of the curcuminoids or good levels of just curcumin. They make sure that there's also the volatile oils and there's also the other inherent ingredients found in the actual root of turmeric 
is still found in the end extract of that BCM95 turmeric extract. And then from that, sure, they see enhanced bioavailability of the curcumin, but they're also saying, well, it's a whole whole plant, it's a whole root extract of the turmeric, mm. not just with high levels of curcumin. It also contains everything that's naturally in the root. And so by that, yeah, okay, we get a benefit to curcumin uh, bioavailability, but you're getting everything else that's in there, which is you know, now we're starting to see has therapeutic benefits as well as the curcumin. And that's pretty unique, I think, um, in the therapeutic products that I've seen. Um, certainly in the practitioner ranges, there's not, you know, most of them are isolated curcumin. Definitely, and that's yeah. in the practitioner range, let alone when we start looking at the retail market. Exactly. And we can start to see, you know, quite frankly, a lot of junk that's out yeah. there um, across the board, whether it's, you know, in minerals or herbs. And so certainly when it comes to turmeric, there's you want to be basically looking for something that's got a proven benefit. And mm. so, as we're saying, BCM95 turmeric has a proven human clinical studies on alleviating people's symptoms and conditions in these particular areas, mm. not just a study demonstrating that, oh, hey, look at the huge amounts of curcumin we can get from you know a cell line study. Mm. This is people have been given the turmeric at these particular doses and have had results with reducing their pain and their inflammation and improving their mood and in, in enhancing their cognition. And so those doses that the studies typically look at is they start at 12 and a half grams a day and go up to generally 25 grams a day mm. of the BCM95. And so when we look at practicing and using you know, real science for therapeutic benefits, you look at what ingredient have they used what dose did they use at ads? And then, okay, well, we would use the same and expect a result. Like that's the same way you express. I guess the only other thing I'd add to that is, is how long. Definitely, you know, so yeah, great. Yeah. You know, and so in those studies, they're generally looking at at least an eight week, mm. eight week study. And, and so 12 and a half to 25 grams a day of the BCM95, generally around about that eight weeks. Mm. In saying that, though, when they look at it for the pain, they start to see results in as soon as two to four. Yeah, so uh, just going back to that whole inflammatory cascade we were talking about, it's working on all levels of it. So you will get some benefits immediately, but over the eight weeks, it's going to affect that gene transcription at the high level. So it's really going to have a, its best effect at about eight weeks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, it, and then it just, it's almost like it, you kind of build some momentum with it and then it just keeps the hits the pain on the head and it's good to know some people i find can get results within a couple of days yeah but what i find if you're using it for pain is people might continue using their pharmaceutical anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. add in the turmeric and for pain i'd use 25 grams a day of the bcm 95 and then in a couple of days to a week they often find they can start to reduce their pharmaceutical pain and anti-inflammatory medication mm -hmm. and then it's the turmeric kind of tends to hold it from there and then they tend to find they get you know, developing you know better and better effects over those coming weeks mm. so i think that clarifies the importance of using the right type of turmeric use a type that's been proven in human clinical studies um, i'm pretty sure from the last time i checked which was a couple of months ago now, but the BCM95 had the most human clinical studies on it out of any turmeric extract from from my memory. Yeah, I believe so. And yeah. that was, again, across multiple different um, conditions. Um, so using a form that's been proven in human clinical studies, then following the dosing of that. Um, so look for that when you're looking at labels of turmeric. Don't get caught up in the hype of just 
what's the amount of curcumin that it says can get into the blood because turmeric is far more than just curcumin and it's not just working by getting those ingredients into the blood it's working also by going through the digestive system by interacting with the immune system by from there having sort of a flow-on effect to the immune system and the brain etc mm. um so yeah i guess keep that in mind when you're looking for a turmeric extract there's some doses to be looking for mm -hmm. bcm 95 has good human clinical studies we can be using it for beyond things than pain it's you know mood um, cognition anything um, that's rooted in inflammation so yeah me which, metabolic syndrome yeah which is essentially everything and that's where a lot of people i find now start to use it as a bit of a I don't generally like this word, but as a tonic, mm. it kind of works across the board on helping with so many other general aspects of your health that, you know, you can't go too far wrong with it. I guess in saying that, do be careful about if you're taking any medications like blood thinning medications, mm -hmm. um, if you're going in for surgery, because turmeric can thin the blood out a little bit. Certain types of antipsychotics I'd be careful with yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So again, like always, be really speaking to your healthcare practitioner and they can be giving you the dose that's appropriate for you um, and making sure it's not gonna interact with any medications or any other health conditions that you've got. Anything else that you think we need to be covering on turmeric there for the guys? Oh, look, I think that's a pretty good wrap. Um, yeah, no, I think that'll do us. Well, hopefully that helps you understand the difference between turmeric and curcumin and the importance of looking for a whole plant extract or a whole you know, root spice extract in this instance and using that turmeric to help decrease your pain and improve your health long term. Like always, any questions, I'd be making sure you get in contact with a good healthcare professional and they can help prescribe you the right dosing for the condition um, appropriate that's for you. Thanks again for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Health Guide. Any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au. To help you continue on your health journey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you found this episode useful, please rate and review us. If you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition, please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.